Hey, my friends, welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I am Crystal Ward, and we help busy people like you and me grow in our relationship with God today with just a few simple steps. I hope today's message helps you, that it encourages you, and most of all, that it leads you closer to Jesus. Check this out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Let me clarify that for a second. He's one God. But when he used the word us, he's talking about the three ways he manifests himself to man. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he is one God. They will, so, I just caught this. So, we actually emulate the character of Father and Son and Holy Spirit in our lives because we're made in His image. Everybody say, in His image. They will reign over the fish in the sea. Everybody say, reign. The birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea. That word reign is not a misspelling in Scripture. It's not physical reign. It's talking about to rule or to reign as royalty. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Isn't that powerful? They were made in his likeness and in his image, and we're called to do the things that he does. We're called to like and love the things that he loves, be his character and his nature in the earth, right? And then he says, because you're made in my image, rule and reign over the earth. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're going to unpack that just a little bit. And I I was reminded of a story um, when I was younger, and I was growing in my relationship with the Lord. As I was learning to become more and more and more like Jesus, as I still am, I am not like Jesus, not yet. Those who know me well are trying to hold all their laughs in. You can laugh. It's okay. Um, And so... But when I was younger, and I just, man, I was trying to grow in my relationship with the Lord and become more like him. And I remember coming to um, prayer in youth one night. We would gather in a circle down at the altar, and we would pray. And I was a baby Christian. I didn't know how to pray. And so I remember we were gathered one night. This may have been after y'all left, and Sister Carol continued to have those prayer circles. And so we were gathered together one night, and we were praying. And I remember as I was praying, I was seeing an image in my mind. And in this image, I was praying for the presence of, of God. Like what, what was on my heart was the presence of God. But what I kept seeing was this image of the presence of God washing over a person. Like from the top of their head all the way down to the bottom. And I was trying to like pray what I was seeing. And I was, and I was like, Lord, I just... I just pray, I just pray your presence over your people, Lord. Lord, from from the top of their head, Lord, Lord, all the way down to the tip of their toes. 
because this is the image that I was seeing. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't explain it. And so I just was praying this, Lord, your presence from the top of their head all the way down to the tip of their toes. And there was another boy that was standing next to me. I won't say who he was. But uh, he's not anybody that goes to church here, but he may be watching online or something. So, um, so he, he uh, had, his parents were in ministry, and he had a lot of Bible knowledge, and I just didn't. I didn't have hardly any Bible knowledge. And so I think he kind of took it upon himself to correct my prayer because he goes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you, Lord, to wash over your children, Lord, from the top of their head down to the soles of their feet. And I was like, why he say it like that? I thought mine was fine. You know, why he say it like that? And I was like, well, I guess that's how you pray that because he was kind of corrective in his prayer. And I felt so embarrassed. Like, well, I guess I prayed that wrong. So then I went home and I looked it up. You know, back then we couldn't just Google stuff. Yes, it is funny. So I got out my, I got on my big fat concordance. It was like this thick. And I started trying to find, does the Bible say anything about the soles of the feet? Or, you know, like, why did he pray it like that? And I found it. There's multiple places where the scripture talks about from the top of the head to the soles of their feet. And I was like, oh, I was so embarrassed. But then I got to thinking, wait a minute. You mean I actually prayed a scripture that I didn't even know was in the Bible. Then I was like, hold on. Lord, I do hear from you. I didn't even know that was in the word. And you were showing me a scripture that was in the word so I could pray it. Lord. And I remember being so excited because God had showed me something in the Bible. Who cares if I prayed it exactly right? I heard from God. And I was so excited. Now, here's the thing. There's some of you guys in here that see leaders, and you see these people that have been serving God for a long time, and you look at them and you think, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could pray like that. I wish I could preach like that. I wish I could sing like that and just the heavens fall. I wish I could speak like that. I wish I could. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, right? But here's what God wants to do. God wants to equip you to grow into those same kind of places so that you're no longer saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, but you are the one that's praying heaven down. You are the one that's declaring out the will of God. You become the one that people come in and they're like, whoa, I want to pray like that. That is God's will for you. You do not have to be a super Christian. You do not have to be a Bible scholar. You don't even have to have known the Lord for 20 years. All you have to do is to know him, to have faith in him, and trust him, and grow. Amen? Amen? So everything I'm about to tell you tonight, I want you to get this. Everything I'm about to tell you hinders on faith. I'm going to tell you some stuff tonight that you may have never heard, but I want you to have faith for it and say, I got faith for that. I'll take that. I'll take that in the name of Jesus. And I want you to take these things that we're going to talk about and put it in your spiritual tool bag. Amen? So the title of my sermon tonight is um, Priceless Prayer. I spoke on Priceless Prayer not too long ago. and But this one's part two. And it's Pray with Authority. 
Pray with authority. And so I'm going to give you some things that are spiritual authority, like, toolkit. Like, you can get this stuff and say, I'll take that and I'll put it in my tool bag. I got faith for that to apply that to my relationship with God. Amen. And you're going to see growth in your life. And I really believe if you'll latch on to these things in a short amount of time, you'll be praying heaven down yourself, which is the will of God for you. You don't have, you don't have to be the one that, that is insecure. And like, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. That's not God's will for your, for his children. You can be the one that's on fire and full of power. Amen. Come on, amen? Yeah. Preachers got to preach, guys. You say amen, we preach louder and faster. You go home. You go home faster You the more you say amen. You want to try it again? Yeah? Does that sound good? Oh. Number one, here's the first thing I want you all to know. Every Christian has delegated spiritual authority over the earth. I'm going to say that again because I feel like that's a new concept for some. Get this, every, every Christian has spiritual, delegated spiritual authority over the earth. Every single one of them, day one, day one. Let's look at this, Matthew 16, verses 17 through 19. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Well, let me set this up a little bit. So Jesus had asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus responded, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn from this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. All right, that rock is, um, it is Petros, yeah. That rock is Petros, which means little rock, okay? I'm going to clear something up for you right here, hopefully. And upon this rock, the second word rock is Petra, which means big rock. So he said, you are Peter, little rock. And upon this rock, which he was probably pointing to himself, Petra, I will build my church. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. So what Jesus was saying is, you are made in my likeness and in my image. You are a piece of me, Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are made in my likeness and in my image, and you look like me. And verse 19 says, and I will give you, notice he says will, because it hasn't happened yet. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I want to read that last verse in the amplified version. Um, there's some Bible scholars translate these verses a little bit differently. And there are scriptural grounds for both translations. I don't think either one of them are wrong. But I really like the way the amplified version says it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound. And whatever you loose must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. 
So here we have Peter, who is an image of Jesus. And Peter goes on to lead the church. And he says, whatever is reality in heaven, that's what you loose in the earth. Whatever is not lawful and not allowed in heaven, that's what you bind here on earth. Our calling, I'm getting into point two now, our calling, our, our purpose for our spiritual authority is actually to bring the realities of heaven into the earth. I want to say that again. God gave you spiritual authority to bring the realities of heaven into the earth. You do that first by prayer and then by action. So that's number two. The purpose of your spiritual authority is to bring the realities of heaven or to bring heaven to the earth. I hear a lot like, okay, but I don't know how to do that. I don't, you guys ever feel like that? Okay, all right, you're telling me some great stuff. I don't know how to do that. Let me say this first. Your heavenly father is the perfect teacher. Your heavenly father is the perfect daddy. And he'll say, come over here, baby, let me tell you how to do that. Right? Some of us didn't have that. Many of us, statistically, the majority of us didn't have that. But your heavenly father is the perfect daddy, and he will show you. Amen? You just have to have faith to receive it. So let's look at Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. You still here? Let's try that amen. Amen. Oh, they're good at it now. All right, so this is the Lord's Prayer, and I actually gave it to you in the King James Version because many of us probably memorized it in the King James Version. Did you, did you ever, like, at any of your sports games, I used to play volleyball, and we would gather around in a circle. I played a lot of sports, actually. I played many, many sports, but one of those was volleyball. And we would gather around in the circle before our games, and we would recite the Lord's Prayer. I know that probably sounds crazy. I went to school in the country, and we could do stuff like that in the country, right? Some of us went to schools, you couldn't do those kind of things. And we would just recite the Lord's Prayer, but I had no idea what it meant. It was just a recitation that we would do before our games. But the Lord's Prayer, actually, what was going on was Jesus' disciples came to him, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, okay, when you pray, Pray like this. And that was the purpose of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not meant to be just a recitation or something you just recite over and over and over. Is it wrong to do that? I don't know that it's necessarily wrong, but in a couple of verses above this, Jesus said, don't just repeat stuff like the heathens do. It's kind of funny. Because that's exactly what we do with the Lord's Prayer. And just a couple of verses above, he said, don't just repeat stuff. That's the way the heathens pray. They think that God's going to hear them by what they say over and over and over and over. He said, but when you pray, pray like this. So we know that the Lord's Prayer is not meant to be something that we just recite. It's meant to be a guidebook to prayer. There are many guidebooks to prayer in the Bible. This is one of them, okay? All right, but I want to pull out and unpack a couple of things for you here. Let me get a drink. All right. It says, after this manner, therefore pray. Y'all want to say it with me? Our Father which art in heaven. Is it up on the screen? Let's try again. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And so notice he's, um, he says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's worship. But then he goes on to say something real interesting, and this isn't taught very much. In the next verse, in verse 10, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, he's not speaking English at this time, right? And so uh, our, the way we translate it is just a little bit differently. But if you look at the word kingdom, I want to break down some of this stuff for you. So that when we pray, we know what we're doing, okay? So the word kingdom... Here means the royalty, I like to think of that as the glory, the rule, or the realm of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the reality of heaven manifested here on earth. The kingdom of God is the reality of heaven manifested here on earth. So he says, thy kingdom come. Thy, that word come is actually really interesting. It's what is called a third person imperative. A third-person imperative, you don't have to know that, it's just what it is. Now, this is what a third-person imperative is in Greek. It's a command, but to someone else. So when Jesus said this, he said, thy kingdom come, and he was commanding the kingdom of God to come. Get that for a minute. Can you imagine Jesus is telling you, command the kingdom of God to come? How on earth can we command the kingdom of God to come? Because he gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Because we are given spiritual authority to rule and reign like God in his image on the earth. And notice, so you're commanding the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God to come. The realities of heaven, the rule of heaven, the glory of God, you're commanding it to come. But you're speaking to somebody else. Who would we be speaking to when we're commanding the realities of heaven to be manifested in the earth? You're speaking to Satan. That's who you're speaking to. What that means is you're telling the devil. You're telling even the atmosphere, anything in it. You're saying, I'm here. I have delegated authority by my Father in heaven, and I'm commanding the realities of heaven to come in this atmosphere right now in the name of Jesus. And you have to listen, devil. I'm pulling rank. Come on, I have more authority than you. And I'm pulling rank and I'm commanding the reality of heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Imagine you praying that over your home. Imagine you praying that over your kids, over your spouse. Come on, over your job. Imagine you releasing the realities of heaven over your finances. Imagine you showing up to your work and you say, in the name of Jesus, I command the will of God. I command the realities of heaven to come on this workplace right now in Jesus' name. Imagine if you prayed like that. Imagine if I prayed like that. Help me, Lord. Come on, amen? Amen. Then he says, thy will be done. Thy will be done. So the word will there is a determination, it's a choice, a purpose, or a decree. A person, like your will is what you want. It's like, I will 
to drink some of this water right now. Because that's what I wanted to do. That was my will. That was my choice. That was my determination that I needed water. And so the will of God is what he has decided in a matter. And so he says, actually command the will of God to come. Now, this is also interesting. It says the will of God be done. Now, that word done is a passive imperative. Doesn't matter. You don't have to memorize that. But the definition of a passive imperative is this. It's your authority, you, but you are not the doer. You are the cooperator in what is happening. So you're commanding the will of God to come. It's your authority, but you're not the one doing it. Do you know what that tells me? I'm not the one that's responsible for the outcome. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I'm responsible for my role to pray. I'm responsible for my role to use my spiritual authority that he gave me to pray his will to pass. But I don't have to manipulate God into doing his will. I don't have to force him into doing his will. I don't have to force situations to look like his will. All I'm doing is I'm praying with spiritual authority. But he, the Holy Ghost, is doing the work. How liberating is that? So when you pray, know, know this. You don't have to force anything to happen. All you're doing is this. All you're doing is the will of God is going this way. Let me stand right here. The will of God is going this way. So I'm going to align myself to his will, and I'm going to pray it into the earth. I'm just getting in behind him, and I'm speaking his will into the earth in my prayers. Amen? Amen. I had a friend um, one time. She's a wonderful, wonderful friend. And she was pregnant. This is many years ago. And um, when I had also uh, had a baby as well. And when she was pregnant, early in her pregnancy, she started bleeding. Now, I had just had a miscarriage not long I actually had two not long before this happened. And all I could think was, no, Lord, not my friend. I never wanted my friend to experience the agony of miscarriage. Now, if you've ever gone through something really, really tough, but you walked through it and the Lord got you through it, when your friend or your loved one comes along and they start going through the same thing, let me give an example. Let's say that your kid was you know, running wild or whatever, and you're trying to parent them and you're trying to, to lead them in the will of God. And, and it's just really, really tough, but God walked you through that. And now your kid is serving Jesus or take a marriage. Your marriage was super, super rough, but y'all both worked it out. Y'all walked with the Lord and the Lord helped you through that thing. When you meet somebody that also goes through that thing, you got a fire in you, don't you? Let me, no, I'm going to fight with you. We're, gonna, we're not going to see this happen to my friend, right? And I remember sitting at the table, and um, they had just got that back doctor's report that, that, she had been, that she had been bleeding, and I remembered what I had gone through, and I remember thinking, not my friend. Mm -mm, not my friend in the name of Jesus. And I said, girl, you got to get that mama bear anointing out. 
You got to find that mama bear anointing where you declare not my baby in the name of Jesus. My baby will live and not die and declare the word of the Lord. And you got to declare the word of God over your baby in Jesus' name. And she's like, what's mama bear anointing, crazy lady? But everybody knows there's one person you don't mess with, and that's mama bear. Because she will take you out and not apologize. Y'all hear that? <laughs> That's a scary amen right there. <laughs> I had a friend. One time, there's a different friend. She lived up north where there were bears. And I was like, what's it like living with bears? And she goes, you know, they mostly just stay away. Except if there's a mama bear with a cub. If you have a mama bear with a cub, you stay as far away as possible because she's ferocious. Ooh. Some of us need to find that mama bear anointing. Some of us need to get ferocious in our prayers. Dads, you can do it too. That's the character and nature of the Father. That's the character and nature of God, and we both look like him. The Lord is a warrior, and the warrior is his name. Mess with mama's babies and see what happens. Right, but mama, daddy, there needs to be that bear-like anointing on our prayers at times where you say, come against my family. Come again, come against my family and watch. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take your head off, right? So this, this woman went on, and she is an incredibly powerful woman of God by her own right, not because of that conversation. She's grown in her relationship with the Lord, and, and her, her baby was born. He's healthy and active, and, and now she has more children. And now she can pray fire down from heaven uh, because the Lord taught her how. And so let me um, go into number three. To use your spiritual authority, speak the word. Speak the word. Oh, let's look at Revelation 116. I'm going to read, I'm going to read that number three again while they find Revelation 116. To use your spiritual authority, speak the word of God. And guys, when you do it, you don't have to be nice. You don't have to yell and scream or shout. You don't have to be nice. Or you don't have to, to, to do any of those things. You're like, well, my personality is different. You, you just you use your authority within your personality, right? Your personality does not dictate your level of authority in the kingdom. It has no bearing whatsoever on your spiritual authority. So when, you're, when you are using your spiritual authority and you're quoting the word, you don't have to do it nicely, but you don't have to scream and shout. All you're doing is you're aligning with the will of God, right? And you're speaking the will of God forth from your mouth. All right, so Revelation 116. This is actually a revelation of Jesus where John is on the island of Patmos. And he sees the resurrected Jesus in his eternal form, the way he looked like for all eternity. And verse 16 says, And he had seven stars in his right hand and a sharp, everybody say two-edged. Two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. We're going to get to that part. The face was like his son, 
the sun in all of its brilliance. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want to deal with this two-edged sword part. When you break the word two-edged sword down, it actually means, get this, two mouths. Now, I don't know why on earth the Greek people thought that the word mouth meant sword, but they did. And it actually means a sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That's Hebrews 4.12. It actually means a two-mouthed. So here we have Jesus, and he has a sword coming out of his mouth. And we know in Ephesians, it says that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. But it calls it two-mouthed. Why would it say that? See, when the word was actually written, it came out of the mouth of God. But the word becomes the sharpest sword imaginable when we take that word and it comes out of our mouth. It's meant to come out of two mouths. It came out of God's mouth by divine inspiration. It actually means God breathed. The word of God is God breathed and came out of his mouth. Men did not write this book. God wrote this book. It came out of his mouth and men wrote it down. But the word of God becomes a sword, a sharper than any two-edged sword, when it comes out of your mouth. When you go and you get a word for your family, you say, uh no, this is what my God says about my family. This is what my Father says I can have, and by golly, we're going to have it in Jesus' name. And you start to quote the word of God over your home, over your kids, over your marriage, over your job, over your church. And you will see the realities of heaven come to pass. Amen? Amen. Woo. When I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, um, I don't know if y'all have ever felt like this, but I'm going to kind of put myself out there. When I was learning how to pray, and even now, like even now when I pray sometimes, I'm like, Lord, am I praying that right? Like, is that? Is that really your will? Like, what I'm feeling is peace right now, and so I'm going to pray peace, but I'm not sure if that's right. You don't have to raise your hands, but can you relate to that feeling? Like, like I want to pray, but I'm not, I'm not sure if that is, that's right. Let me give you some insurance. What I'm actually teaching you right now is actually intercessory prayer. So those of you that serve on intercessory prayer team, their spirit's probably burning right now. Um, let me give you some insecurity insurance. I'm not sure if I'm praying the right thing. All right. This is what I do sometimes. I would pray, and I'd pray my little heart out. And then I'd be like, oh, no, what if I prayed the wrong thing? So I just started saying, Lord, Lord, I prayed all these things, but at the end of the day, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so I would say, Lord, if I prayed anything that's not your will, Lord, just override that with your will in Jesus' name. Y'all get it? So if you're ever worried, don't let insecurity stop you from praying. Man, go get some fire from heaven and pray it down. Don't let that insecurity hold you back. God wants you to grow in this. But if you're ever unsure, that is actually a prayer Jesus prayed himself. Lord, nevertheless... 
not my will be done, but your will be done. That way you can feel free just to pray the will of God and not have to worry if you're praying the wrong thing because you're just declaring the will of God over what you just said. Does that help? All right, number, number four. Number four. Satan has no spiritual authority. So he actually does have an agenda, but he has no spiritual authority to accomplish it. So he seeks yours. I'm going to let that sit for just a second. Satan has zero spiritual authority. I have so much scripture I would love to take you to. I just don't have time. But in Colossians, it says that Jesus stripped Satan and all demonic forces of their power, triumphing over them on the cross. He has zero spiritual authority, and he's hoping that you and I don't know it. And he wants to bait you to get you to hand yours over to him. Let's look in the word, and I'll talk just a minute about how he does that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. I want, you guys to, I want you guys to really uh, sink your teeth into this one uh, because um, this, is, this happens every day. It happens every, every day. Satan trying to get you to hand over your authority. And how did God, how did God use his authority? He spoke. He spoke, right? What did he tell us to do when you pray, pray like this by speaking, right? And so Satan wants to get you, he wants to bait you and get you to believe and then say things that align to his will and not God's. Verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, be sober, be vigilant. Sobriety is not talking about being drunk here. It's talking about be of sober mind, like pay attention to what is happening around you. So often there's demonic interference and I miss it for days, for days, sometimes longer than days, for weeks, until finally I come to my senses and I'm like, oh no, hold on, wait a minute, and I address it. Be sober, be vigilant, because... Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. I hate to tell you, but that word resist him is a progressive verb. It means resist and keep on resisting. Bishop talked about binding the strong man not too long ago. Wasn't it so good? But he said to stick with it. And command him to obey, right? So resist and keep on resisting. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Satan will lie to you and tell you that you're the only one going through this problem. You're the only one that's struggling with this. You're all by your lonesome. Nobody cares. Lies. Lies to get you to believe that, latch onto that. Now you're aligning with his agenda with your spiritual authority, and now he can actually accomplish something in the earth where he didn't have the authority to do it before. He actually can do this with people that are not saved as well. Because the thing is, is that spiritual authority was given when man was created. 
It didn't go away when sin entered the earth. Man lost the ability to govern like God. When we get saved, though, now our connection and relationship is reestablished with the Holy Spirit, and now we can govern and rule and reign like our Father in heaven. So Satan will go after people that don't know the Lord to accomplish his agenda, but I'm going to promise you he gets more accomplished by people who actually know God and have and know how to use their spiritual authority. Sometimes. Sometimes. Let me say that again. Let me say that correctly. Sometimes. Satan gets more accomplished by people that, with people that actually know the Lord. Have you ever had somebody that loved God say something real terrible to you? Doesn't it hurt more than somebody that doesn't really know the Lord sometimes? Yeah, because they, because they know God. All right, let me move on from that. I don't want to say anything unscriptural there. Um, but he is trying to bait you. So what he'll do is he'll feed you lies to get you to believe his lies once you start believing his lies, then you start speaking his lies, and then you start to act in his lies, right? So we resist him, and that's where we use what Bishop taught us, and we say, I bind the strong man in the name of Jesus. I call you out. I speak the name of Jesus to you, and I command you to flee. And I've been saying this, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I command him to flee according to your scriptures, and he knows he has to obey, and I enforce it now. Now, when you're rebuking the enemy, he can't hear your thoughts. Satan can't hear your thoughts. Everybody thinks he's in my head. No, he ain't. He's in your ear. He's not in your head. He's in your ear, and he can't hear what's going on in there. He just hopes what's going on is there is what he wants. So when you're dealing with the enemy, you deal with him with your mouth, not with your thoughts. And also, when you're decreeing and declaring the will of God, it needs to be done with your mouth. Can you talk to the Lord relationally, internally? Absolutely. Please do it all day long. But when you're declaring the will of God in the earth, we do it the way the Lord did it, by speaking. So when you're dealing with the enemy, don't try to deal with him internally. You're not going to get anywhere. You deal with him with your mouth, and you make your authority known. Make him know that you understand, I, oh, I outrank you, Satan. You have zero authority, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in that world. And guess what? I know it, and I'm here to enforce it. In Jesus' name, and you're going to obey. Now, Satan often operates, and demons often operate like unruly children. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of your children have ever been unruly? Sit down. Some of these folks is a little too eager to agree. How do you deal with an unruly child? Oh, okay, we in the country, they like, you light them up. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> not what I meant. How do you deal with an unruly child? You enforce it. You stick to your guns and you enforce it. So if you're feeling like all chaotic on the inside and you're feeling like there's no peace and like, but God said you can have peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. So you have spiritual authority because you have a promise in the scriptures to say, no, in the name of Jesus, peace is mine because he bought it for me on the cross and I command it to come right now and I command every hindrance to peace to bow right now in the name of Jesus. You have that authority and that ability to declare that over your life and to declare it out loud and stick with it until peace actually comes. 
If you have to do it all day, no, in the name of Jesus, I declare peace in Jesus' name. I'm not giving into this chaos. I'm not giving into this anxiety. I declare peace until he gets the point like an unruly child. Amen. Amen. Whenever I was a teacher, worship team, y'all can go ahead and come on up. Um, no, you can wait just a minute. I'll call her up in just a second. When I was a teacher, I taught in a really tough school. And <laughs> there was a lot of fights every day. And so when the guys would fight, it wasn't like a big deal. Um, I mean, it was a big deal, but it was a much bigger deal when the girls would fight. And they, girls, girls always gave a signal when they were about to fight. There was always a sign. This is what they would do. They'd take their earrings off. If a teacher is sitting down and a girl goes like this, you're like, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. And you get up real quick. Now, sometimes, we, like when we tell that joke, it's, not, it's, it's real, but when we tell that joke in the country, we don't really get that because we haven't seen that maybe sometimes. But um, in some cultures, it looks like this. In some cultures, the grandma is the disciplinarian. And when you're in trouble, the grandma will take her flip-flop off. In some cultures, they call it the chancla. I'm going to get the chancla. I heard one guy say that his grandma was so good with the chancla, she could make it turn corners. <laughs> Woo, she was good with that chancla. In other cultures, we get this. Go get a switch. <gasps> okay. Oh my God, we, we got to go, and, we're, and then we're trying to figure out which switch we're going to get. Do we get the light switch, or do we get the thick switch? Which one hurts the most? I don't know. It seems like the thick switch, the thick one hurts more, but then the light one always seems to, it, it's really bad, and I don't know which one to get. Whichever culture you come from, sometimes we need to take those earrings off. Sometimes we need to get that chunk load. We need to go get that switch, and we need to command the devil to obey. No, you're going to listen to me. I have spiritual authority, and I'm not listening to your lies that says I don't have it. I'm not listening to that because the word of God says that I do, and you're going to listen, and you're going to obey, and you're going to flee according to the word of God right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Oh, I got to stop. All right. Number five, go ahead and come on up. Number five. Number five says this. Spiritual authority is designed to operate from intimacy with God. From intimacy with God. This is my second baby. This is Emma. Everybody say hi, Emma. I thought it was really interesting that she was the one I presented to all three of my children whoever wanted to come up here with me the other two said mm -mm. and this one said sure I'll do it but you know what I thought was so funny is she's the one that looks the most like me and isn't that what we read is that God made man in his own image in the image of God he made them do you see my image on her yeah I tell her Almost every day, almost every day, crystal-looking girl. And she's the one that, all three of us look 
both like daddy and mommy, but this one looks almost entirely like mommy from when I was a kid. Yeah, thank you. And so God made us in his image to rule and to reign like him. And your spiritual authority, this, this is critical. It flows through your intimacy with your heavenly father. When that intimacy and that closeness is not there, that's when we get off. That's when we start to pray things that are not really on the heart of God. That's whenever we start to get off on the right track. I mean, off on the wrong track. See, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, there's a scripture that says that God would come down in the cool of the evening to walk with his son and daughter. And see, he, he gave them, delegated them authority over the earth. And I can just imagine while they walked along, he's talking to Adam and to Eve about things that need to happen in the garden. And they're having a discussion about maybe some of the animals weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Or maybe this plant needs to be tended. Or maybe, or, And they're having a discussion, and he's downloading the realities of heaven to his son and his daughter. Here's something that's really neat. Psalm 104 says that God is clothed in a robe of light. Many Bible scholars believe, you know how when Adam and Eve sinned, it said they didn't know they were naked? Have you ever wondered, like, why did they not know they were naked? Could it be that they were also clothed in light like their heavenly father? If their father is robed in light, according to Psalm 104, wouldn't Adam and Eve also be robed in light? And when they send that light, scripture doesn't say this, but if that's the case, when they send that light departed and all of a sudden they now knew they were naked. But think about when they walked with their dad in the garden in the cool of evening and their heavenly father is clothed in light and they're clothed in light. And now you have three lights coming together. Imagine how bright that was. Revelation one said that Jesus's face looked like the sun shone in his strength. Imagine how bright that was. Here's the thing. When you are intimate with your heavenly father, you have light to see. Like you get close to him and you know like what is on his heart and what he thinks about you. He can talk to you about the realities of heaven or his will for you or how much he loves you or all the things he wants for you. And then you have greater understanding and a greater ability to see in the spirit and pray that into the earth. So intimacy with the Lord is intimacy with the Lord fuels intercession. Intimacy with the Lord gives us the insight that we need to pray like our heavenly father. And some of you, I always think about the busy mamas that are like, I'm trying to be intimate with the Lord. It's hard. I get it. 
Know that God has grace on you where you are right now. And his grace will maximize your efforts to be close to him if it is your heart to do so. If you're like, Lord, I just really want you. And you put aside what time you can, as much time as you can. God's grace will come on that and he'll multiply that and he'll say, come in a little closer and come walk with me. And it's from that place that you know how to pray. Right? That's, that's, I think, why I was praying scripture and didn't know it. Because I had been with the Lord and the Lord was sharing with me about his word. And, and then I was receiving from him and praying out things that I didn't even know existed. Right? And he, he wants to draw you close. You, you noticed how... In worship tonight, the Spirit of God was so intimate. And it was funny because I'm preaching a fiery message on intercession, and I expected worship to be fiery, but it was intimate. And the reason why is because he says, son or daughter, come close to me because I want to show you who I am. I want to show you who you really are. I want to speak the things that are available to you. I want to reveal myself to you so that you can bring my purpose into the earth in your prayers. So I just encourage you just to draw close to the Lord. Would you stand with me? Draw close to the Lord. I love it that I talk about these deep spiritual things. You know, I preach to my husband before I preach to y'all. And he listens. He's like, wow, wow, that's good. And then sometimes he'll ask me this. What does that look like practically? I just appreciate that. I'm like, well, I don't know. I just want to say all this stuff from the heavenlies up somewhere. And he says, what does that look like practically? So I thought I would bring my baby up on stage with me and pray over her so maybe it would show you what this could look like right and and you can do it over anything not just your kids you can do it over your job over your family over your home over your finances over yourself your mind um, you can even partner in with the leadership of this church and pray what you believe is the will of God over this church. Imagine the power of us in unity praying out the will of God over our church, right? It can look like this in any form. So I'm going to pray over her. And, and, and all you do is this. My husband says, what does that look like practically? Here's how I do this practically, okay? As you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you just... It just becomes like a flow that's like, you're just receiving from heaven and you're speaking. You're receiving from heaven, you're speaking. You're receiving from heaven and you're releasing what you're receiving. But in the early stages, it's kind of like, well, I don't really know how to do that. So try this. When you're faced with a problem, a situation, or someone to pray for, ask the Lord, Lord, what's your will in this matter? What's your heart, God? What, what, what is your will? And then listen for what the Lord shows you. 
whatever you receive, I get a lot in images, but sometimes it's words, sometimes it's feelings. Whatever you receive, just pray it, just speak it out. That is intercession, that's intercessory prayer. That is using your spiritual authority the way it's designed to be used. Does that kind of help make it to simplify it? God, what's your will in this matter? Whatever I receive, I just pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, what's your will for Emma? Would you show me, my Lord, what your will for Emma is? And now, right now, I don't wanna get ahead of the Lord. I wanna wait on the Holy Spirit right now. I wanna, I wanna make sure I'm, I'm seeing what, what he's seeing. And so what I see in my, like inside my mind is a, is a heart. All right, so, okay, so I'm gonna pray for Emma's heart, but I don't really know what I'm, I don't really know what to pray yet. All I see is a heart. Now here's where faith comes in. So I'm just gonna start praying for, for Emma's heart and I'm gonna trust God to provide the words. It's all done by faith, right? So Father, in the name of Jesus, I intercede over Emma's heart right now in Jesus' name. Now I got the next words. Right now in the name of Jesus, I pray the love of God into my daughter's heart over her entire life from the top of her head down to the soles of her feet. Lord, that she would know your love, Lord, and your love, Lord, would set her free, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, in the name of Jesus, and now I see her mind. I pray over her mind right now in the name of Jesus that her mind would know your love for her her Lord all the days of her life that she would walk in your love Lord that she would walk in who you've called her to be father in the name of Jesus that she would never ever doubt how much you love her Lord Lord that when the lies of the enemy comes father Lord, that she says Lord no my daddy in heaven loves me in Jesus name and she can refute the lies of the enemy so right now in the name of Jesus I just release your love over Emma now I pray loud, that's just me. But you don't have to pray loud. You don't have to shout, that's just the way I like to pray. But God made you you, and you pray like you. So you see how it's all faith-based. I receive from God and I pray, right? All right, so let's do that now. Close your eyes, connect to the Holy Spirit. We're finishing up. Now I just want to ask you, I just want you to ask the Lord. Hmm. I want you to take the situation that's bothering you the most. What's really plaguing your mind? Get an image of it in your mind. All right. Now just ask your daddy, Lord, what's your will in this matter? And I want you to be still and quiet yourself and listen. What's your will in this matter? So I'm going to be transparent with you. And I'm going to let you listen and then I'll be transparent with you. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. What's your will in this matter? Some of you are getting images right now. Not words, but images. Some of you are getting one word. You only have one word. 
that's a that's a word from heaven. One word doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be ten. One word is a word from heaven. Some of you are getting a feeling like I don't know. I just I just feel like everything's gonna be okay. Some of you are feeling joy. I don't know. I just think the Lord wants us to have joy. He wants us to rejoice in Him. Some of you are feeling peace. Man, the Lord just wants us to have peace over this situation. All right. Now I want you just to begin to pray that. And it can be soft. It doesn't have to be any. It can be where hardly anybody can hear you. And so what that would just look like is, Lord, I release your peace right now. Back to what I was going to say about being transparent. Finances have been bothering us. And so what I saw in my mind was like a download of heaven. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just call down provision from heaven right now in Jesus' name. Just speak out whatever it is you're, you're, you're receiving. I speak it out right now in the name of Jesus. We can have what you say we can have, and we can do what you say we can do. Now thank him for it. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I believe that we're receiving it, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Now let the peace of God come. Peace of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You should feel lighter. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed the message today. I hope that it inspired you and that it brought you closer to Jesus. If it helped you, why don't you right now just click the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts. For more resources, you could go on over to crystalwart.com and connect with us on social. We want to get to know you. And we are so excited to be on this journey with you as we lean on God's grace to grow together. See you next time.